Hello and welcome to Transplaner RPG. We are an all transgender, person of color led, dark fantasy actual play channel featuring homebrew stories that center non colonial, anti orientalist world building and campaigns about queerness, grief, hope, and the power of love. Godkiller First Blood is a 16 part podcast miniseries that follows a mythic, violent, and transformative tale about a single mortal rising against the challenges of the divine. Tonight, your god is me, Connie Chong, and my god killer is C. Thomas. First Blood is a dark fantasy series that explores themes that may be triggering for some listeners. Content warnings for this episode may include fantasy violence, gore, body horror, blood, classism, poverty, religious imagery, immolation and fire, death of loved ones, grief, trauma, insects and bug horror, consumption, PTSD and panic attacks, and brief mentions of heights, falling, and cannibalism. Episode 5 Exodus The Speaker of the Above, Servant of the Witness, Antigone sits at the cramped tea table marked with water rings and old dents. She sips the mug of hot water the miner's grandmother had poured her, and she waits for her champion to return with their prize. The door opens. Eos's familiar, heavy footsteps cross the threshold. Without looking up, her lips still pressed to the chipped mug. Antigone says, You're getting sloppy. I expected you back in five minutes. It's been six. When her champion does not respond, Antigone knows something is wrong. She turns her head and stares at Eos, who stands in the doorway, empty-handed. Not a single dirty miner in sight. Eos? Where's the miner? I... dropped them. What do you mean you dropped them? The chase went bad. They fell. I dropped them. They fell? Where? Down the hole? The hole in the middle of this god's forsaken pit town? They fell down the hole? Yes. Eos, that hole is hundreds of feet deep. You you saw them fall? Yes. They're gone. Yes. Gods, okay, well, this is inconvenient, Eos. I didn't want to spend another minute longer in this place, but I suppose we have to. <sighs> I need to ask their corpse some questions before the ghost bleeds out of them. Get me to the bottom of this pit, Eos. Rune. At the bottom of Iron 42, subsumed by greasy darkness in the throat of this god who has taken your entire life away from you, I need you to roll 2d6 to kill a god. <laughs> no modifiers. Okay, 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 Go for okay, it. okay, okay. Big money. Big money. Uh-oh. What'd you get? Uh-oh. Uh-oh? Uh, What'd you get? Uh-oh. That was a five. Oh. That was not <laughs> That's good. A miss. That was not good. Uh-oh, ladies. 
that is a miss. Uh, so when you confront a god in their true form, you're literally inside of it right now, and exploit their downfall to kill them, describe how you slay them. Okay. Inside this subsuming, cold darkness, Brune counts the number of years they have left on one hand, and then two. They don't need any extra fingers to get to the end of their lifespan. But as they count, each of their fingers starts to burn. Enrune grasps for those two long knives, dangling uselessly at their sides, held onto them by the chain that's wrapped around their torso. They pick up one, pressing against this soft white flesh that's surrounding them, and then they grasp the other. And as they shove the entire length of that long knife into the skin directly above their head, they count out loud, one, two, three, and they are shoving both of their long knives upward, 10 firm strikes, one for each year that they have left that this god would steal from them, punching their knives up, 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 carving away at him from the inside. From the outside of Athamos, the unsighing toil, there is a beat of perfect stillness, of immaculate silence after he swallows you whole. And then the back of his neck bulges, these huge plates of chitin distending and distorting upward. His crimson eyes fly wide, 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 like coals expanding underwater, and he lets out a desperate, keening, haunting What? No! Impossible! And on that, you explode out the back of his throat, the back of his neck, in an expulsion of red, white, and golden blood, divine viscera flying through the air in these huge organic chunks combined by shattered plates of chitin. And we see you hovering there, staggering there a bit, wavering, stuck out of the back of his neck like an assassin's blade into someone's back. And then like his entire reared up front half slams onto the ground like a massive oak tree being felled. Boom! He hits the floor and massive greasy gray clouds of sediment rise up as this giant falls. Still halfway out of his neck, I think Rune also falls. And as his body like slams onto the ground, Rune is flung off and rolls, I think, like a few feet away from his body coming to stillness in this dust cloud. Staring upward at that small ring of light where they know Iron 42 is, almost like they're in a dream still. Like ever since they hit the ground, they've been in this dream that they are moving through because they must. And they're staring up with that mismatched gaze, staring at that ring of light, the smoke starting to trail off of their shoulders as it curls upward into that beautiful oblivion. And Rune just sighs. Ten. As they claim those years back from Athamos, who had taken so much from so many. 
Yeah, you are like covered in viscera, right? Like a newborn deer or something. It's disgusting. Like his entrails are all over you. And yet they're not warm like a mortal's blood would be. They, it's so cold. You're so cold, but there is a fire within you, a fire that is bubbling and keeping you hot, 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 even as this divinity tries to, I think, drag you down with it as the last of his magic, the last of his vitality and life leeches from his body. You rolled a miss, which means this god will curse you with his dying breath. And as your eyes are fixated upon that faint halo of light that is your home, that is everything you've ever known, that is the reason you fight, that is the reason you bleed, the reason you are a heretic, we hear Athamos' voice coil up toward that light as well, like the last trails of incense before the monk blows it out. Athamos' ghost launches upward and outward from Iron 42, Rune. Every single god in the cradle feels this death. And every single god turns their gaze in the direction of you. One by one, above it all. Behind the clouds, behind the desiccated stream of the long dead river, we see a massive eye open in the sky and swivel towards your home. As all of the major arcana gods since the birth of the god killer. Back at the bottom of the pit, Rune. It starts to rain. I'm sorry, what? That's right. Rain. It's falling around you. I think you see these little droplets like splatter onto this dust-filled, viscera-filled cacophony lying at your feet. And you feel a few drops of it splatter onto you as well. It's raining, which Iron 42 almost never gets rain, especially the lower you go, right? Rain takes a long time to filter downward, and it's quite rare. The weather here is arid. Rain is unusual. But yeah, it's raining. What do you do? Rune had turned their gaze onto Athamos's body as he cursed them, as that binding gesh coils around their soul. And that's the moment where the smoke starts to go out. Like the rain, each drop of rain sizzles against Rune's skin and evaporates. But the fire starts to go cold, and this low feeling like falling starts to build in their stomach as the words keep going around and around and around in their head, thou shalt not return home. What, what, is, what is that? What is that? What is that? What does that mean? 
and their eyes now starting to widen with fear as they realize what just happened. They realize what they've done. They look at their hands. They look at their swords covered in this gold blood. They realize that all of them is covered head to toe in golden blood. And they notice the rain starting to fall on their arms, around their feet. And they wrench their gaze back upward toward the sky, towards that pinprick of light so far above them. You! This voice cuts through the darkness like a knife. And you see, coming out of an elevator shaft embedded in the wall, is the speaker of the above, Antigone, and her champion. This is the same elevator shaft that all the miners of Iron 42 take every season when it's tithing time down to the sacrificial chamber for Athamos. And you see this woman in her pristine white robes looking like some beautiful nocturnal moth in the midst of this carnage, cutting through it to approach you. And she does pause at all the viscera that is surrounding you. Like she doesn't want to get her robes dirty on it. And her eyes are wide and her face looks stricken. And her champion behind her, you've only ever seen her face as just like a flat circle. Like this champion has never made an expression at you before, but there is something dark drawn across it and kind of tension and stress eating away at the edges of her visage. And Antigone, the speaker, pauses maybe 30 feet away from you and is looking at you like you're like you're a monster or something, but also the lamb set upon the altar, but also the thing that will eat the lamb. What was that? What did you do? Rune flinches upon hearing her voice at first, and they take like three steps back immediately as she comes toward them, with their long knives still gripped in their hands. And they look a lot like a rabid wild coyote that just got caught in the chicken coop. They take those three steps back, their gaze flicks from her face, wide with open shock, to Eos's, the woman who had just dropped them down here, and then back to the speaker's face. They shake their head once, quickly. Um. What's happening? What is this? How did you- This is your god, isn't it? This is Athamos? Is he dead? Rune nods, feverishly, fervently. Antigone wrenches her gaze away from your face and stares at Athamos' corpse. And she looks like she is in as much shock as you are, I think. Like she's just kind of taking all of this in. And then you see like the shoulder pads of her robe start to blot with red. Like kind of out of nowhere, they just, it just starts to turn red blot by blot. She doesn't seem to have noticed it yet. Rune's eyes fix on that. In these moments of shock, it is so odd what the mind fixates on. And I think that's what catches Rune's attention the most. It's the easiest thing for them to look at. And, and they fix her with this tight, firm stare on those shoulder pads that are starting to blot red. They tip their head to the side and still covered in this golden viscera, they take a step toward her. Your movement causes her to jerk her head towards you, like she's she's prey animal sensing something rustling in the undergrowth. At first she looks scared. That's right, scared. There's a moment of, of fear that flashes across her face as you approach. And then it, it settles over with a kind of like calculated confidence that is so deep to the core of her, her character of who she is. Right, that's right. Come here. I need your hand. I need your arm. I need I need something of yours. What? to get the answer, to, to get to the bottom of this. 
And she even takes a step forward toward you. And as she does, those blots widen. Some get on like the front of her robe too. It's starting to turn crimson from the top down, splotching outward. She still doesn't seem to have noticed. Rune takes another step toward her, like closing the distance between them until they're maybe five feet apart, still fixated on this color blooming across these robes. And they say quietly under their breath, your dress is changing color. What are you talking about? Just give me your hand. She reaches out for your left hand. Rune flinches away from her. Give it to me. I can figure out what's happening. I can get to the bottom of this. I can, I can, I can get a- answers about what's occurred here. Because it, it can't be that you... Because it's impossible for you to have killed him. I saw... I saw him eat you. From the elevator. Eos and I, we saw... And, and then, and then... And then what happened next is, is well, it, it, it is impossible. It, it can't have happened. It can't. But I know how to get answers. I am the speaker of the above, and the witness has gifted me with a fragment of his power, of his sight. So give me your hand, and I'll figure this out. Rune stares at her hand very intensely, and this small desire in their chest starts to bloom into something real, a desire to know. To know why they've been plagued by nightmares. Why they can only ever dream of a street full of ghosts. Why their memories haunt them so loudly and so viciously. Why the devil is still with them. Where he's gone. And that word, God Killer, rattles around the inside of Rune's brain as they stare at her hand. As your hand lifts toward hers, right before your fingers touch, she pauses. As I think a red blotch opens up on her palm, and then on her wrist, and then on your fingers, and your wrist, and your forearm. And I think the two of you realize simultaneously what's happening. This isn't just color blooming across her body or your body. This is the rain. It's the rain that's been falling from the sky, but it's not water. It's blood. What? What is- Rune wrenches their gaze upward. Antigone does as well, and so does Eos behind her. The three of you at the same time look up, and the rain has intensified. It's gotten heavier. More and more drops of this crimson liquid start splashing onto the ground around you, pooling in with the golden viscera from Athamos's corpse. And as these big, thick puddles of blood start to form around you, something starts rising out of the blood. All around you all at once, like mushrooms sprouting after a rain. You see blooming upward in crimson fountains, humanoid figures, the silhouettes of people. That's right, people of all sizes and shapes with no facial features, just outlines bare suggestions of limbs, and instead of fingers, these long, raking claws. They start to lift up out of these pools of blood and twitch. And every time they twitch, there is a kind of slick, organic cracking noise, like as they move. Here's a world-building question for you. Yes. 
How common are monsters? Monsters are common, typically in the fringe around dead zones within the cradle and between settled areas. So if you're traveling in the wilderness a lot or taking like pads off the beaten road, you might run into a monster or two, but definitely not like in the middle of a town. <laughs> like that's very unusual. Hmm. Would you like to recognize a god? Yes, is that an option here? Yes, that is an option. I would love to recognize a god or their influence as Rune stares wide-eyed, taking two steps back from these blood people starting to rise out of the gore and viscera of the rain. Yes, okay, so roll 2d6. You add one for each true statement. You're in or near their domain? Yeah, I would say so. You're familiar with their gospel? Hmm, I would say yes. Yes? I would say yes. Okay. It'd be bad if you didn't know. Yes, plus three. Oh boy. Oh, now I roll well. 11. Overkill. I can never not overkill on this move. Classic god killer. On a 10 plus, you realize your divinity is actively trespassing against them right now. The GM will say how. That's perfect, actually. So yes, Rune, you feel instinctively that these blood monsters don't come from a specific god. No, 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 no. They come from the gospel you know so well that has been with you for the past seven years. They come from the Dead River, the very birthplace of the gods themselves before it dried up and stranded all of them here. These are blood ghosts, and they are hungry. Oh, what a perfectly normal thing to have happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, on your 10+, plus, I think as soon as maybe a dozen of them form around you, Eos already has her sword drawn. Like, as soon as these things started rising, bam, great sword was out. She's holding it with two hands. It has gotten between you and Antigone and is, like, regarding you as a threat? Maybe, question mark? But these blood ghosts says, definitely a threat, exclamation point. And as soon as she draws that sword and, like, these dozen form, they turn and start to run at the three of you. Oh, they're... Oh, they're running. Yes. Okay, we yes. are too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we are too. Um, as Eos comes up beside Rune, and they're still staring in open shock and horror at these ghosts, right before they start running, Rune's gaze slides to the side to look at Eos in the eyes, the same eyes that they had been staring into as she let them fall. But there's something of a desperate camaraderie in them a mortality that binds them together. And Rune's eyes are screaming, run, right before they do. As they pivot, grab her elbow, shove the speaker in the chest backward, and start dragging them both toward the elevator as fast as they can. I'm gonna need you to tempt fate, my good dude. Oh, so when you tempt fate I can't with your just actions. act impulsively? Nope. Oh. Mm. oh, well, you know what? I'll let you choose. Are you acting impulsively or are you tempting fate? No, Rune, I just described Rune yeah. coming to this conclusion. Yeah, that's not impulsive. Yep. Okay, say what perilous feat you're trying to accomplish. I assume get all three of you safely to the elevator shaft without getting injured by any of these blood ghosts and roll 2d6. So add one for each true statement. A skilled ally is lending you a hand. Yes, mm. you have no other options. I mean, you could fight back, but I, I'm, I'm going to give you that. I'll give that to you. Okay. You're not near the domain or agents of a god that wish you harm. Not true. So that's a plus two total. All right. Eight. 
perfect. That's a hit. Oh my God. Okay, you actually got a hit. Yeah, on a hit, you get through it mostly unscathed. The fates spare you for now. So you are able to shove Antigone, right? Kind of grab and corral Eos and get the two of them to start running. Eos for a half second looks like she wants to fight. Like that sword is ready as like that first blood ghost starts scything at her with that claw. But then she turns, she parries the scythe. It lets out a metallic ringing noise against her sword, even though they're made of liquid. And then the three of you turn tail and you run toward that shaft. And now more than a dozen blood ghosts are rising out of the crimson puddles all around you. There's maybe 20 or 25 now in this chamber and more are forming by the second. You run toward the shaft, you get into it. It's like a big enough shaft that can hold maybe like uh, 15 people at once. And Eos grabs the door of it and starts rattling it shut as this crowd, this mob of blood ghosts chases you and is running toward the metal lattice gate. Yeah, Rune slams the hilt of their long knives into the control panel and like just slams like up, 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 up. Yeah, you jam the button. Yeah, as soon as the gate closes, there's kind of like, like groaning noise as like mechanical levers start pumping and the shaft starts rising. A couple of the blood ghosts bang against the grate as soon as the the elevator starts rising and you see them like drop underneath you. You know what I mean? As like you go up, you go up, you go up, but a couple of them get through. You see some hands stick their way through like the shaft right before the elevator cuts it off. Like liquid pours through the grates, right? And then it's, it's cut off. So there's maybe like an inch or two of these scrabbling half liquid, half solid, half gelid hands with those long claws just on the floor of this elevator with you as you go up. Eos raises a big steel boot and starts stomping at them. Yeah, Rune immediately is doing the same. Antigone is screaming. Uh, she, she, this whole time, as soon as these monsters have started forming, has been screaming. And inside the shaft, you now hear her screaming like you focus on it, because I think adrenaline was just pumping through you and you weren't noticing, but she's letting out it. Oh, Eos, there, 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 there's one in the corner, there, there, there. Rune gets the one in the corner. The heel of their boot comes down on it as they crush the liquid bones within it, and they just stop, 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 stop. Yep. As soon as he stomped down, it's like splattering a, a water balloon or something, right? It just, it goes splat and nothing else forms out of it. So like you and Aos together, you like stomp and you kind of rock the elevator as you do. Like it kind of like swings within its cradle, but it continues to go up. What is happening? Rune grabs the front of her robe and shoves her against the back of the elevator, the speaker of the above. And there's this kind of intense wild look in their face as everything is starting to fall into place as everything is starting to make sense in the worst way and that feeling of falling is starting to tear at the inside of Rune's ribs, like climbing up and down each of their vertebrae, pulling at them, screaming at them. You said something about curse work before I left. What is it? What do you know? What? Is, how do they work? Get your hands off of her. Eos, it's fine. Uh, 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 the curses are common. Gods, gods curse mortals all the time. Thou shalt not something it, it's a gash it, it, it's a forbiddance something you can't do can i fight it what can i fight it you can try but it's usually impossible and there are stories of people who try to break their curses but even worse things happen in the process of violating its terms like blood rain she blinks at you like hungry ghosts this is not i've never 
this is this is these are omens that only happen when well when a god dies why do you think the fringe is so dangerous those gods are cannibalizing each other all the time they're causing this kind of thing to happen wherever they go you think killing a god is just as easy as killing someone and walking away from it no when a god is slain it it changes the cradle forever there's a pause as she says that looks back at you Athamos, his dying breath, he... He cursed you. Rune's face is cracked open with a kind of dull terror as they're staring wide-eyed, still holding her against the back of the elevator. He cursed you. He said... I heard it. He said something like, impossible. You killed him. You... I don't know. Okay, I don't know what happened. Antigone. And this is when the elevator shaft comes to a halt. It gutters to a stop at the lowest sublevel of Iron 42, where past the great chaos. Blood rain falling, pooling in crimson puddles, blood ghosts forming out of them, chasing the people of Iron 42. You see folks screaming and running across wooden footbridges, barricading their doors shut even as blood ghosts like shatter through the windows and start to menace people in their homes themselves on the scent for carnage. You see your home being painted red and you hear just terrified shrieking and screaming mixed in with the blood ghost snarls. Rune is already shoving their way out of the elevator. They have dropped Antigone completely, just let go of the front of her robe and has shoulder checked Aos and is similarly to the blood ghosts now swarming out of the elevator with a vicious kind of intensity. And they are slicing, slashing and tearing apart the first thing that they could possibly find. The first blood ghost, they are slashing through it. All right, Rune, that sounds like an inflict violence move to me as you're trying to defend your home from these rampaging blood ghosts. Would you agree? I would agree to that. Okay, so let's say this is a general move, not just against one blood ghost, but against all of them on this sublevel. So roll 2d6 and add one from each true statement. They wish you harm, yes. You're desperate? Yes. Okay, that's plus two. It's personal? 100%. That's a plus three, roll 2d6. All right. Eight. That is a hit. Uh, so on a hit, this part of the fight ends on your terms. Why don't you tell me how you competently hack, slash, and defend this sublevel from the Blood Ghosts? Rune explodes out of this elevator shaft with the might and power of a tank. And every single second, every moment, every minute of training that they have ever done with these swords goes into this moment, goes into this swift, calculated, perfect violence that they rain like hellfire down on these ghosts that are attacking their home. And part of Rune almost feels like they know these ghosts. They know where they'll go. They know where they are. It's like they can feel them like an extension of themselves, like an extension of their own divinity roaring to life. And Rune can find them pinpoint with the end of their long knives. Yes, I think there is a crimson whirlwind around you as you hack, slash, and dismember these blood ghosts. You carve a path of carnage through the sublevel, and everywhere you go, you protect the people of your home. 
Eos is tight on your heels, swinging that massive greatsword and splattering blood ghosts like mosquitoes against the edges of the stone walls. Antigone is sandwiched somewhere between the two of you, ducking, covering her head, screaming a little bit, and just trying to get out of here. As you're slashing through these ghosts and sending them back to the river, presumably, we see from a bird's eye view, you're not the only person fighting back. Eos is as well, and so are the other heretics pouring out of the shadows to protect the people of Iron 42. Seven years ago, the heretics took a massive blow. They lost so many of their best and brightest, but they weren't completely finished. In the almost decade since Jiang's death, heretics from surrounding towns have poured into Iron 42 to replenish the ranks here. There's new blood, and we see the members of this new generation now brandishing their weapons, hollering at the tops of their lungs, and defending the people of Iron 42 just as you are. Yeah, I think Rune falls into line with the other heretics immediately, quickly. This was a last case, worst case scenario to defend Iron 42 from attack, but all of the heretics are competent fighters, no matter what their discipline or focus is within the cell. So I think some of that frenzied fear and focus almost clarifies in Rune as they start to carve forward, see faces they recognize, the faces of their comrades, but people Rune never allowed close enough to be considered family, like the 21 Damned. You fall into line like a perfectly trained soldier. And as you join a group of heretics defending a cluster of residential apartments, it is Eos, actually, who pauses by your side and looks down at you with rigorous intention. We have to go. We have to get out of here. Come. Then go. I'm not leaving. What are you talking about? I'm not leaving. They need my help. Go if you need to go. Eos, we have to leave. This place, it's going to hells. You, you have to come with us now. And Rune is launching at another group of blood ghosts that are starting to rise up out of these puddles of crimson. The specific puddle you launch yourself at is a story below you and kind of off to your left. And you see on that platform, Reksha, your old mentor from seven years ago, the one person who didn't go into the tunnels with you and Xiang and the rest of the dam. And she has her back turned to this newly forming puddle and is fighting off no fewer than four or five blood ghosts at the same time. Her leather gauntlets have those blades popped out. So she looks like motherfucking Wolverine, right? And she's like slashing and hacking and slashing and hacking, like dismembering ghosts left and right. But you see like a huge blood ghost, like a big lumbering six foot, seven foot tall, humanoid figure begin to rise out of that puddle behind her and start to like loom down on her. Rune falls down on top of it like a bat out of hell. With a firm shout, Rekja! Rune lands on top of this giant blood ghost's head and they sink both of their long knives through where each temple would be, crisscrossing it immediately and pulling them out in a swift, firm motion. Yes, this blood ghost stumbles backward as you pierce its skull and then like the rest of the now re-dead blood ghosts sloths off into just a massive puddle of crimson liquid. And I think you fall like the seven feet where you were attached to their shoulders onto the platform behind Reksha. Reksha uses one last swipe of her claw to decapitate the two remaining ghosts she's fighting and they tumble in ribbons of blood down into the pit. She whirls around to look at you. Rune, 
Runa's on their knees already, scrambling up to look at her, and I think there's a moment where they almost look like they're in prayer at her feet, covered in this golden viscera, splattered with blood rain, and this open, desperate, horrified look comes over their face as they see her, as they see Rekja. And there is an embarrassing amount of relief, I think, that pours over them as this feeling in their chest continues to rise in them, like the feeling of falling, like their heart is plummeting out the bottom of their stomach, like there is something crawling up and down each vertebra of their spine, playing inside of their ribs like a jungle gym. And Rune looks up at her, Rekja, Rekja, I don't know what happened. Rune, what's going on? Are you okay? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I fell down into the pit. I, I fell down to the fell? sacrifice chamber. And what? Athamos and, and they swallow hard and they stumble over the name Athamos. It catches in their throat. They breathe it in and dispel it like smoke in their lungs. I, I, and they look up at her breathing hard. The claws retract. Rekcha takes a step forward and puts a hand on your shoulder to steady you. Right? She squeezes you and like looks you straight in the eyes. Rune, Rune, focus on me. Hey, here, eyes here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Deep breath. Uh-huh. Deep breath in. Out. Slowly. Calm down. I'm, try- I'm trying. What do you mean you fell down? The champion dropped me into the hole, and I fell all the way down. Champ, the champion, is that her? And Retro looks up to see Eos, like on the platform you jumped down on. She is fighting back to back with the heretics who are now being beset by other blood ghosts. And you see in the bedlam, Antigone, the speaker of the above, she's kind of been backed against a wall protectively with the rest of the citizens down here, the rest of the regular people. But she stands out like a beautiful diamond in the rough in her pure white robes now splattered with that foul blood. And Antigone sees you looking up at Eos and her, her eyes go wide and she starts shoving past the other citizens here and she starts trying to make her way down from the platform toward that raised area where you and Reksha are at. And the speaker. So the rumors are true. They were looking for you. Rune turns and nods vigorously. They were looking for the devil. It's a long story, Reksha. I, I went down and uh, Athamos and he, he's, he's dead. Dead? Athamos is dead? How? I don't know. I I think it was... And they trail off. But they look at their hands. There was so much rage, and I... I only had ten years left. And he was going to take them. And then I killed him. I knew I could. An unspoken shock registers in Rexha's eyes as she looks at you. She knows what you're saying is impossible, and she also knows you are telling the truth. This cognitive dissonance, you see it playing inside her head as she's wrestling, trying to parse a way forward. This is when you hear the speaker's voice cut across the bedlam. You! Minor! And we see Antigone making her way very quickly across a footbridge, trying to approach the area where you and Rexha are. Athamos cursed them. With his dying breath, he laid a curse upon them. I heard it. I was there. Thou shalt never return home. 
You're in violation of that curse right now. That must be why this is happening. Rekja snaps her gaze back at you. What the hell is she talking about? When he died, I, I could feel his ghost. I could feel his ghost going and he... And Rune touches that spot just underneath their solar plexus, the bottom of their ribs, where that line of scar tissue runs underneath their pectorals. They hold themselves there like they feel like their heart is about to spill out of their chest. And they look at her with this honest desperation. We can help. This is Antigone cutting in again. The Citadel. There are resources, magical tomes, traditions, rituals there I can access that I, I can't hear. I can help lift this curse. Rune's gaze snaps to her, fixes her with this kind of intense look, and then back to Rekja. And you're sure of this, speaker. You can lift this curse. You can bring them back. Well, yes, but we have to go now. The longer you're in violation of that curse, the worse it's going to be. Rekja lets out a deep breath. This impossible thing? colliding with the reality of the situation. You claim to have killed a god. Such an act is impossible. She knows you are telling the truth and now you are cursed and this curse is eating Iron 42 alive. You see all these conflicting ideas, emotions, intentions, desires rattling around inside her head and then she closes her eyes and when she opens them again, her jaw is set. Rune. She shakes her head. You have to go. Rune stares into Rekja's face their eyes pleading like a child's, like they know what's about to happen and they just don't want it to be true. They want her to tell them that it's not true. No. Rune. Rekja, Rekja. Rune. Please don't make me go. Seven years ago. And she grabs you by both of your shoulders now and pulls you in and looks at you hard. Rune is kind of like a ragdoll in her grasp, this desperation where they know they are asking for something impossible and they know what she's about to say but they can't help this childish urge to fight against it anyway she holds you fast like a parent trying to calm a child in the throes of a night terror seven years ago rune i went into that fucking hole when you and Xiang and freya didn't return and everyone else I waited. I waited an hour past the safe time. I waited two hours. I waited six. And then I could wait no more. So I went into that fucking hole. I walked through the mines and I entered that damned, that cursed cathedral. Brexha. And all I saw was death. All I saw was ash and carnage. Everyone was dead. Everyone, except you. No, <laughs> no, Rexha, don't make me go. And Rune, this tale is not unfamiliar to you. Rexha has told you this as much multiple times over the past seven years, but there's something about the retelling here that feels urgent and new. I carried you out of that graveyard across my shoulders, and I nursed you back to health. For a month, two months, half a year, a year, you were catatonic. You said nothing. You were so traumatized you could barely eat, Rune, let alone speak. And when you did speak, it was nonsense. 
You could make no heads nor tails of what you were trying to say. Your mouth kept gibbering. You bit off my fucking finger. And she lifts a hand from your shoulder to show a wooden finger. But I did this. I nursed you back. I brought you back to yourself because that is what we do as heretics. We take care of each other. Then I can't leave. Then I can't leave you to take care of yourself. I wasn't able to take care of them. Please don't make me leave you. Rune, you may still be haunted by Tiang and Aaliyah and Opal and Freya and all of them. But Iron 42 has transformed. We have new blood now. We need direction. We need hope. We need something else to fight for. Rune, the best way you can take care of your home now, the best way you can take care of the people who are still here, who still love you, is if you go and you figure out what's happening with you. And I don't just mean this curse that Athamos has placed upon you. I mean this curse that has followed you for seven years. Don't think I haven't noticed, Rune. Your eye. The way you wake up every night thrashing and sweating from nightmares? The way you refuse to talk about what really happened down there? I don't know what really happened down there. So you have to figure it out. You owe it to yourself to know. You owe it to me to know. You owe it to everyone who died. This is what Xiang would want. She steps in, looks at you like dead in the eye. You would not want you to waste and squander and suffer for the past seven years as you have wasted, squandered, and suffered. He would want you to get answers. He would want you to avenge him. And now there is no more excuses for you to stay here, Rune, and to wallow in your own misery and your own trauma and your own heartbreak. I have held you for seven years. I cannot hold you any longer, Rune. You have to go. You have to grow. You have to heal. You have no other choice. Rune shuts their eyes like the act of closing them will make this a dream that they could wake up from. But they know she's right. And Rune's brow crumples with resignation, relief, an odd, unholy relief at finally being allowed, being forced to put their grief somewhere. And when their eyes open, Rexha would know that they've made the choice. Okay. And they break away from her. Get my grandmother to safety. Bug and beetle are fed twice a day. The heretics will take care of Iron 42. Our home will be fine, but you need to leave now. For a moment, Rune still looks like they're going to protest before they take Rexha's forearm firmly in theirs, squeeze it, look her in the face, and there is a flash of gratitude behind the desperation, behind the terror, behind the rage, behind the grief, behind the shock. Before nodding brusquely once, turning, grabbing Antigone by the elbow and wrenching her backward over the footbridge that I think that she has maybe just gotten over yes. as someone who is not <laughs> used to passing through obstacles like there are in Iron 42. No, definitely not. They grab her elbow and basically yank her back the way she came and start rushing upward toward where Eos is. On that footbridge, suspended over interminable nothingness, Antigone pauses before going. I... She looks like she wants to say something. That word even comes out of her mouth. But then she snaps her jaw shut, nods, turns, and lets you lead her out of here. 
Don't lose your footing. I'm not going to lose my footing. This footbridge is, is plenty wide enough for... Ugh! And she trips a little and grabs onto you, right? And lets you usher her the rest of the way across. And as you get to the other landing where the heretics and Eos have finally beat back this like next wave, this next onslaught of blood ghosts, you see members of this new generation pin their eyes on you. So they give you nods, they give you salutes, they give you like quick waves with their weapons before they turn and start to corral the citizens to safety. Rune sweeps the crowd for half a second, looking for their grandmother, their father who's still alive, even though he's miles deep into the mines. But I don't think they see either of them. Mm. And there's a grim determination that comes over them as they pin Eos with a firm look and turn their gaze back toward Antigone. We're getting out of here now. Eos flicks her blade and a splat of blood splashes against a stone wall. Lead the way. And Rune turns their gaze upward toward that halo of light and the top of Iron 42. Rune! Heads up! It's Reksha, calling to you one last time from the platform below. There's something shining, arcing through the air between the two of you as she tosses an object in your direction. Rune catches it automatically. Their body moves before their mind does. It's keys. Keys to her truck. And she says, I'm gonna need you to return that to me one day. You hear that? Yes, ma'am. Good. Now get out of here. And this isn't a goodbye. It's a see you later. Rune looks down at her from this ledge that they've perched on top of, and they grip the keys tight in their hand before turning and going towards that route out of Iron 42. Blood rain continues to pour. Monsters continue to coalesce out of these crimson puddles as you, Antigone, and Eos spiral up, up, up through sub-levels of Iron 42, getting closer and closer to the surface. And Rune, you swear as you do, as you get farther and farther away from your home, that the rain begins to relent. And finally, the three of you, reach the surface. God Killer First Blood is performed by Connie Chong and C. Thomas. Follow Connie on Twitter and TikTok at ByConnieChong and C on Twitter at CPlaysRPG. To play your very own campaign of God Killer and support our show, pre-order God Killer First Blood Edition on itch.io today. Transplaner RPG is made possible by your Patreon contributions and sponsors who believe in our mission to tell great stories and lift up our community. Sponsors like ExplainTrade.com. ExplainTrade is a negotiation skills consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines on Twitter, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy giving all his money to trans and queer art and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and heed his words. Sign up for our Patreon today at patreon.com slash transplanerrpg. First Blood is also sponsored by Start Playing Games, the largest online platform for players to find tabletop role-playing campaigns of your very own. Join a table that fits your schedule today at startplaying.games. We are also sponsored by Magpie Games, the independent TTRPG publisher behind such incredible works as Masks A New Generation, Avatar Legends, Urban Shadows, Bluebeard's Bride, and much, much more. Check out their amazing selection of Powered by the Apocalypse games at magpiegames.com. 
Finally, we're proud to be sponsored by Roll. Roll is an online RPG platform that serves as a video-first alternative to complex virtual tabletops. Build, modify, and play your very own games of Godkiller on Roll today at playroll.com.